Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This episode is part two of our overview series. Executive Pastor Mitchell Neldon encourages us to take a trip down memory lane. He uses the book of Hebrews to help us remember all that God has done for us. Stay tuned after the sermon to hear this week's next steps. This is going to be a little bit nostalgic this morning. I'm a nostalgic guy. I used to say I'm a lot better than I was, but I used to say I'm nostalgic to a fault because it would like keep me from, uh, from actually living my life. You know, I would say, man, it was great back in the day. But, but I can honestly say it was not great back in the day at the event place in a lot of ways. But I still miss the days when we weren't in this building, when we had to come at 730, 8 o'clock and set up in this event place that was just a big empty room where they had all sorts of things. Oftentimes there would be some sort of celebration, some birthday party or something the night before that used this rental space that we use, and there would be puke on the carpet. And so Jeremy, you know, he'd be, you know Jeremy, he's, he would show up and he'd start scrubbing that puke 45 minutes before he's supposed to preach. You know, like that's, that's, what, he, that's what we had to do every week. And it was a really, uh, really difficult season, but also God blessed in so many different ways. And I remember we used to shuttle the second through fourth graders across a parking lot. I, that, that's, it was really only 30 feet, 50 feet, but, but we used to carry them out of the building that we were in across the street to or across the parking lot to our office. And I don't miss that anymore. We just can walk them down the hallway. But I remember when we first started talking about this building, uh, when I showed up in 2008, and that was not an easy time. I remember when I showed up in fall of 2008, and and. We were in the rental space, and I was not familiar at all with church planning ministry. I worshiped in a church that was, you would think it was hundreds of years old. You know, you think it was there forever since the beginning of time. And, and to be meeting in a rental space, to, to be setting up, to walk into a room at 8.30, and there would be nothing set up for worship, and then you had to set everything up, and then at 11 o'clock, I'd tear everything down. That was brand new to me. So one of my first questions was, when do we get into our building? Because I knew I had heard conversations happening and Jeremy said, hopefully Easter of this year, the building project will be rolling. And I don't know how many years, I think, I guess that was 2008. So it was Easter every single year for the next three years that we would be in that building. And we finally got in that building uh, in 2011, our first Sunday, I think was the first Sunday in December of 2011. But this first picture was before then. This is, this is the property that we're on now, which is right, out, right outside here. There was nothing but an old cow field here when this picture was taken. And you may recognize some of these people. I, I'm going to say this is about, this is probably early 2011, maybe late 2010. I think it's, I think it's spring 2000. And we, this is the groundbreaking ceremony. So what this is supposed to represent is like us starting our building project. You know, three years after I was first told that we were going to start it, we finally got to it. And if you remember in 2008, a little banking crisis happened, so that was difficult, and we had a bunch of hoops we had to jump through because of that. But this was a special, special time. And I remember that and thinking, we used to call this piece of property the unicorn farm because we thought it would never We thought it was imaginary. We thought we'd never get in a building. But we finally got into a building right here, and that, and that is something we celebrate. We can remember the times where it was a little bit rougher, where we had to clean puke, we had to shuttle kids across the parking lot, we had to do all these different things. But then this next picture is, uh, is of Mike Trace being baptized, and Mike is one of our deacons here, and this is, this is one of the first baptisms that we had in this building. 
And I remember when Mike and Sue first showed up. Mike is Jeremy's cousin. And when Mike and Sue first showed up, they were kind of a shot in the arm for our ministry. We were a smaller group back then. And they did so much for us early on in those early days. And they continue to do so much. And I remember one of our first uh, Christmas parties in this building. And the next picture, this was a... This looks risque, but trust me, it's all good, Christian, clean, fun. The pastor said it was okay. And this is another one of our deacons. This is a kind of a compromising situation. We've caught him in here. But it's his wife, Kelly, and, and I'm sure they watch every Sunday. So sorry, Shannon and Kelly, but there it is. Uh, this was a really fun game, and that's me and my brother-in-law. We are uh, yeah, closer than we've ever wanted to be in that picture, but... In the next picture, you'll see that it was well worth it. We won. We won. And this is a Malco gift card, which back then, I, I didn't have any money. So this was, this, was really, this was probably 2012. So this was about a year into the building, one of our first Christmas parties. And the next picture, I, think I believe it's our last picture. And this is, this is the Metter family in 2013 at our Pathway Carnival. And this is right before I moved away from Fayetteville and was going to work with a church plant and partnering with Pathways former associate pastor here. And so this was, I was moving days after this party. And little did I know, you, you take those, pe- those people I represented in that picture, little did I know then how much these people would mean to me in the coming years. I thought that I was putting them in my rearview mirror. Not that I wanted to, but I thought that I was moving on with my life. And yet when I remember these days... And I see these pictures, and I scroll through a lot of pictures. I, I love to do that uh, too much, nostalgic to a fault. And when I remember those days, I remember the memories I've created, and I remember how much God has done in the last 12, 13 years here in this church. It overwhelms me. And when I think about the power of God that's represented when I think about the kind of success that God is trying to teach me what I need to have in my life, the type of investment that I need to have in people and the different things in my life, and when I remember the promises of God and how many promises have been fulfilled and that God always keeps His promises, and I remember those days when I had no money, I was 40 grand in debt because of student loans. I don't recommend that. And it was a, I didn't, I had a, a car that was borrowed from my grandfather. I drove an El Camino that worked most of the time, and its gas gauge worked rarely. I remember those days, and I, and I think about where I am now. And it, caught, it forces me to give God way more credit than when I'm just going about my busy everyday life. It's an important thing for us that we remember where we started. Where Pathway started, first in Jeremy's mind, and then in the event place, and then we move in here, and we have had so many great things happen. When we remember where we started, and how God has taken this church and used it to bring Christ to this city, use it to disciple, I don't know how many people, to impact how many lives. I thought about doing this. I thought about uh, counting up. I remember when Jay Leno was going off the air the first time. Uh, That's a sore subject for me. But anyway, when he was going off the air the first time, they like listed out all of the marriages and all the babies and all the the different connections that formed over the course of the show's running. 
And I thought about doing that here, but, but I, I'm not good at math, so I've I decided not to. But if you think about all the different things that have happened here, and if you are a believer in Jesus, you're a believer in the Holy Spirit, you're a believer in Father God, you think about His power that's represented in that. It's overwhelming to think about. Yet, for me, I get so focused on the here and now, and I remember things in a nostalgic way without giving God credit, but it's important for us, and that's the bottom line for today, that we remember where we started. That not just as a church, but we remember where we started as individuals. You remember where you were when Pathway got started in 2007. Most of you probably weren't here. You might not have even been in Northwest Arkansas. But think about what God has done over the course of your life, where you started in your life and where you are now. And think about all that God has done, the power of God that's been represented, the promises of God that have been made right by God, that have been fulfilled by God. And what this nostalgic sermon is supposed to do this morning is supposed to help you remember and go down a trip down memory lane to help us endure difficult times. This is not an easy time for a lot of people. And we talked about that last week and how the importance of belief and believing, how important that is to help you endure. Well, if you look at Scripture, it becomes apparent that to get through tough times, there's another important ingredient, and that is to remember that's to not forget. Because sometimes we get amnesia about our lives. Some, some of these pictures, like I, I look at different things, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't even remember that, right? We scroll through pictures on our phone that just six months ago happened. I'm like, I don't even remember that. I put on this shirt this morning, and I saw Tyler Evie. He said, didn't you wear that shirt last week? I said, no, you forget. I wore it three weeks ago. It was the only one that wasn't wrinkled this morning that I could fit in. But we forget to do, we forget to iron clothes. We forget the clothes that we wore like. We forget these different things. And we need to remember everything that God has done. Because when tough times come, and no doubt you can't argue with this, that we're in a difficult time in our world today. When tough times come, we need to remember where we started. And because we have spiritual amnesia sometimes, and we forget that God has gotten through us so many difficult things. He got us through the 2008 banking housing crisis. He got us through transitioning to this building. He got us through staff turnover. He got us through a bunch of stuff, and here we are persisting, worshiping today, celebrating all that God has done for us as a church today, celebrating people that can't even be here because of health reasons, and yet we can still worship with them and see them open up a copy of God's Word and to encourage them to embrace that with their life and to help them remember that even though this time is difficult, even though you're a kid and you may not understand what's happening, and you want to see your friends and you don't understand why you can't, you can still remember that God is good, and everything that he's done in your life, he's brought you to this point. It's very important that you remember where you started. We're going to be looking at a text, the book of Hebrews. So if you want to go ahead and open up to chapter 12 is where we're going to start. And I do have a lot less scripture this week. Um, In Hebrews chapter 12, this book, just just to give you some, some information, I have a slide up here to help us with to to give us some context. So the author of Hebrews is uncertain. To me, it reads like Paul, if you read the other letters of Paul, but it could have been Barnabas, Paul's partner. It could have been Apollos, another apostle that, uh, that 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 was making the rounds to these different churches. And the audience is uncertain as well. We don't really know who this is written to because it's not explicit like the other letters. 
But what we do know from the context is that it was a group of Jewish believers that knew the Torah really well. They, they, they weren't just nominal Jewish believers. They actually knew the Jewish law really well. They were Jewish in their culture, Jewish in their religion, but they believed in Jesus, right? So they were Jewish Christians living in a Jewish context. And they were facing persecution and imprisonment for their faith. We know that. We know that they were going through a difficult time where they would look at their church and they'd say, oh, so-and-so is not here. I guess they got arrested this week for their faith. Oh, so-and-so is not here. They, they must be being persecuted right now. And they were hearing things that was happening and they were facing, they were enduring a difficult, difficult time. And, and not to compare those things too much, but I can't help but, but make the connection that when we show up on Sundays and we can't see everybody that we were seeing six months ago. And people are enduring different things and it's, and it's a tough time. And so for me, when I look at this, when I read this text, when I read book, the book of Hebrews, I automatically think of us as a church because this is a church of believers that are enduring a difficult time. And the purpose of this book is to elevate Jesus above all the other things that, that they believed in, right? So, so they grew up with the Jewish law. They grew up with all the different festivals and all the different things that go along with the Jewish law. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he wants to elevate Jesus above all those things and say, those things are great, but Jesus is better. Jesus is the fulfillment. All those things point to Jesus, and Jesus is, is the greatest, and he's better than all those things. And he also wants them to take a trip down memory lane and remember their ancestors, their Jewish ancestors, and they knew Jewish history really well. And they knew that, that the Jewish people had a hard time sticking to the, the plan that God had for their life. And so the, the writers of Hebrews is warning these Jewish believers, hey, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Don't rebel like our ancestors did. And the last thing is it's, to, it's a call to persist in times of struggle and persecution. So when you read this, and one of the next steps today is for you over the course of this week to read the whole chapter. It's just under two chapters a day. Just read the whole chapter this week, or not the whole chapter, the whole book this week. And this will give you, hopefully you see the connections to what the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage the church to do and what we should be getting out of it during this time. And what I believe we should be getting out of this book during this time is that even though life may not be what we want it to be right now, when we're making a lot of decisions and have to navigate things certain ways that we never thought that we would have to navigate, God is still who he is and Jesus is still who he is and he's better than all those things. And, and praise God that we have the Holy Spirit to help us to endure these times of difficult health situations and economic situations and all these different things that are going, out, going on in our world, we have the thing that will allow us to endure through all that. But sometimes we forget that. So the writer of Hebrews goes down a trip to memory lane. And we're not going to read Hebrews 11, but he lists out some different names in Hebrews 11. And he talks about these different people that is, we sometimes call it the hall of faith. And this is these different people that are very famous in the Jewish religion, very famous in, in our religion as well, in, in our belief system. If you read the Old Testament, you'll probably hear about Abel, one of the very first people on the planet, the son of Adam and Eve, and how his faith was evidence of, of, of God being good, and he brought his, his offering to God, and he showed faith through that. Enoch, 
and Noah. Once again, he's, the writer of Hebrews is referencing this in Hebrews 11 so that they remember their ancestors. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. Jeremy talked about, that was one of the last sermons that Jeremy did a few weeks ago. Isaac, the amount of faith that it took to sit there as your dad's coming down with a dagger to kill you. That's a lot of faith. Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, remember these people. Because this is their legacy of faith. These Jewish believers 2,000 years ago could look at these names, and this was their legacy of faith. And these heroes of theirs faced struggle, persecution, prison, and even death. And they responded to each one of these things with faith. And I think that the writer of Hebrews, the point that he's trying to get across is he's like, you may forget, you may think that you're in an isolated situation, that this time is unique and that no one's faced the troubles that you're facing right now. The writer of Hebrews is saying, remember these people? Remember these people that faced persecution, that faced struggle, that faced prison, they faced death, and yet they met every single one of them with faith in God to bring them through it. And he wants them to remember these names, to remember these stories, because that's their legacy of faith. And the good news for us is that we have the same legacy, and we need to remember these names. We need to remember these stories as well, because that's our legacy as well. That God saw fit to take the Jewish story and to weave all believers into it, and for us to be a continuation of of that faith. But then he continues in Hebrews chapter 12, and this is where we're going to pick up reading today. So in Hebrews 11, he references all these people. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility. He's saying, think of all the hostility in verse 3. He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I just went to a birthday party yesterday for my for my brother, and, and I've only gotten to see my immediate family uh, two or three times in the last four or five months, and and to hear like what the different work situations, the different things that they're facing, and 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 it's it's so easy to to think about all that we're having to endure right now, and just be really down about it. And think, why do I have to do, just, just with the birthday party, right? Just with the birthday party. We have to think about, okay, or, or where are we going to have it? Where are we going to, we're going to eat outside? Are we going to eat inside? Are we going to wear masks? Or how many people are going to be here? Who's showing up? Who's not? And, and we have to think about all these things that six months ago, I would have no clue that we had to think about. And it's really, really frustrating to think, like, why are we going through this? Why do we have to deal with this? Why can't it just be the way that it always was? Why do we have to to think about all these different things and try to navigate these weird things that that we don't even even comprehend, that most experts disagree on? Why do we have to do this? And if we're not careful, we can blame God for these things. 
if we're not careful, we can get angry at each other. We just took a survey last week and about how comfortable people are with different things that we're trying to do and just trying to get a good feeling before we go into the fall on how we should navigate a lot of these decisions. Great feedback, a lot of good feedback from y'all. But what's clear is that everybody's opinion is a little bit different. Everybody's line is a little bit different. And what we can do if we're not careful is that we can take other people's opinions on how we should be navigating in this new world of ours. And we can take our own personal research that we've done, our own YouTube videos that we're watching, and we can allow our feelings towards other people and their views based on their research that they've done and who they've talked to and what they believe about it. And we can get frustrated and even angry with them. And we can look at that and we can get really down on ourselves and down on other people about the way that they're navigating it versus the way that we're navigating it. I'm going to say this right now. Your feelings towards the people you're frustrated with right now, whether it be coronavirus related, whether it just be relationships otherwise, your feelings towards other people right now may be completely justified. You may be in the right. Your feelings and anger towards someone, you may be correct, like objectively right. But the way that you treat them should be with love and with grace. Because without your brothers and sisters in the faith and without that fellowship that we have and without that that connection that we have because of the Holy Spirit living within us, because of our faith, if we abandon that because of what we believe about how we should be navigating this new world and not lean into the community that we have and love each other despite our differences and what we believe about how we should be living in this new world, if we abandon that, then why are we doing this? If we're letting our justified feelings keep us from loving people and showing grace to people, then what are we doing? Because if you think back to what I said about the people that are the original readers of this letter, they're being arrested for their faith. They're being persecuted for what they believe about Jesus. What a bad time to be a Christian. Where because of your faith, you're being thrown in prison. And when you show up to worship together, you look around and say, oh, there's some people that were here last week that aren't here this week because they're sitting in a prison cell. What a terrible time. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is like, hey, look at what's happening, but remember what Jesus endured. Remember what Jesus had to go through. And Jesus, when he is facing persecution, when he is facing death on a cross, when he is facing the punishment that really should have came to us, he endured thinking of the joy that awaited him where he could go through the cross, go through the resurrection, be seated on on the right hand of God. And if we, I know things are tough. I know that that we're frustrated with job situations. We're frustrated with a bunch of things right now. But if we think of Jesus and we think about all that he endured and we remember what he endured and we remember what those early Christians endured because of their faith. And we look at our situation and we see that God has brought people through all sorts of situations. And we remember that and we know that. It'll help us to endure whatever we're facing. It'll give us the perspective that we so desperately need. We will hopefully remember 
We're supposed to love each other above all else. We're supposed to allow our relationships that we have with our fellow Christians to help us endure through these difficult times. Skip over to Hebrews 13, and he gives some advice. And this is, when I read this, I think that, that this is Paul, but, but I, I don't know. There's people a lot smarter than I am that, that debate this stuff. And he says in verse 1 of, of chapter 13, he says, Keep on loving each other, brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison, as if you were there yourself. Remember also you, those being mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Do not love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So he gives them, he, the writer gives them this list of advice, right? He's, he's concluding his letter with these things. He's saying, I know this is a tough time. People are in prison. You're being persecuted for your faith. It's really a hard time to go through what we're all going through right now because of what we believe. What we need to do is we need to remember to keep loving each other as brothers and sisters. We need to not forget, like even though this is a difficult time, when somebody knocks on your door and you know that it's a good possibility it may be the police coming to get you to haul you away because of your faith. He says, don't forget to show them hospitality. He says, remember that those that are in prison, remember that those are being persecuted and oppressed because of faith. Remember those people and empathize with them. Don't just hole up in your house and, to, and be scared of what's happening to the people around you, to your brothers and sisters. Remind, remember that those are your brothers and sisters, and what they're going through, you need to feel that as well. Remember to empathize with people that are going through a difficult time right now. When this first started, uh, well, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a, who has a, a dad who's a doctor. And, and he was like, hey, man, just to let you know, like, what they're prepping for, the clinics in central Arkansas where he works. He's like, hey, like, like we're not ready for this, blah, 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 blah. And this is February. So I go into Sam's, and I get toilet paper, right? Because cause he said that's the number one thing that's being stolen in China right now is toilet paper. I said, well, I'm not going to go without toilet paper. I'm going to go out, going to go without with a bunch of stuff, but toilet paper, I'm going to have that. So I go and get toilet paper. And, and you know, like there's a few people doing what I'm doing in Sam's that day, but not a whole lot. But just a few weeks later, couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. And I'm sitting back thinking, I got mine in my garage right now. I'll let you know that same toilet paper I bought that day is still sitting in my garage. I ain't used it. My first reaction when I, when I first started to give credence to the world may be changing in a drastic way. So I'm going to make sure that I get mine and that my family's taken care of. That Ruby and Miles, Carrie, and even Rory, our dog, is going to be provided for. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying, love each other as brothers and sisters. Your fellow believers, because of their common faith that you have as well, because of the spirit that lives within them, lives within them and lives within you, 
You are brothers and sisters because you are part of the same family. And this is why the local church is really important, is that we can do that tangibly because of the way the local church is set up. That we can look at a relatively small amount of people compared to the general population, and we can say, I'm going to love you like you are part of my family. That when things start to get bad, and when persecution comes, when, when, the, when the people are going to throw you in prison because of your faith come, or when the coronavirus comes, or whatever comes our way, we can look at each other and we can say, I will be there for you. You are my family. If you're going through something, that means that I'm going through something as well. He's asking them to empathize with your brothers and sisters in the faith. To embrace what they're going through as if you are going through it so you can be there for them. But I forget that when things get tough. When things get real. When that first case happened in Tulsa and things got real, the first thing I thought of was my family. The people that I'm blood related to. We can't forget that the relationships that we have with each other is what Jesus died for. Not not just so that we could have a relationship with him. That's super important, right? For us to have our relationship with God, our Father. But Jesus also died so that we could have relationships with our brothers and sisters in the faith. We focus so much on this, and this is fantastic. This is great, right? Our relationship with God is fantastic. But don't we dare neglect our relationship with each other. Because the cross bridged that gap, not only between us and God, that chasm that existed because of our sin between us and God, but it also bridged the gap between each other. And our faith unites us. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across. We should remember where we started. I didn't know any of you 12, 13 years ago. And yet, God brought you into my life. God brought us into each other's lives. And remember all the blessings that have happened because of that. And in verse 7, the writer continues. He says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. To make sure that, that the, the things that we value about our church community continues to happen generation after generation, year after year. Well, we have to make sure we have to remember the leaders that taught us the word of God, that discipled us, that invested in us as individuals. And we got to do the same thing for other people. To make sure that this thing continues to be what God is asking us for it to be, we have to remember the people that invested in us and discipled us and to do the same thing. And yet, once we, we struggle with this when things get tough, we buckle down. We make sure that we have our house in order, and we, we don't think about the next generation. We, we kind of take a break from discipleship. And what the, path, what the Pathway Kids team did this past week or a couple weeks ago with those Bibles is to make sure that they didn't stop investing in that next generation. They went through a list of things and said, okay, like these are, this is how we're going to navigate this difficult situation because otherwise we'd ask them to come up on the stage give them a Bible, and they knew that they couldn't do that. And so they figured out a way. They persisted. They endured. They figured out a way to do what we've always done for the next generation of fifth graders that will worship in here, hear hear the sermon in here, and make sure that they still had what we've tried to give every other class of fifth graders. Remember 
the people that invested in you. Remember the people that took you aside, whether it be a youth pastor, a parent, a friend, whoever it was. Remember what they did for you and try to turn around and do the exact same thing, no matter what the world looks like. That's what we're called to do. And something that, uh, that we tend to forget, and we kind of just skipped over it for the sake of uh, continuity, is verse 5. It says, don't love money and be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Uh, it's, it's scary to think about what some of you are facing financially. It's, it's scary to think about what the future holds uh, from, you look at the stock market, and you can't really, it's still going really well, but, but the people that go to their jobs every day or the people that are receiving emails about, about, uh, about sh- shrinking the company and layoffs and things like that, it's a scary, scary time. And right now, this is unique because we are being tested to see who we're placing our faith in to help us get through. And I know when I've been facing a situation like this, I realize how much that I love money and how much I invest in that and trust in that. But the writer of Hebrews says, remember that God said this, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. This is a callback to several different passages in the Old Testament that these readers, the original readers of this letter, would know. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, we have Jacob, the patriarch of the Jewish people, of the nation of Israel. He's sitting in Bethel, and he has a vision, he has a dream, where he sees this staircase with this ladder, and angels, these heavenly beings, are descending up and down this ladder from heaven and earth, and they're going up and down it. And God says through this vision, he says, I am with you, Jacob. I will protect you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I have finished giving everything that I promised to you. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, you have Joshua, the heir, the heir to, to the leadership of the nation of Israel after the exodus, after Moses. Big shoes to fill, right? And Joshua is told by God in Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, So be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. And then Jesus has a call back to this as well. One of the last words that he ever says to his people, to his followers, in the Great Commission. He says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The writer of Hebrews is wanting those Jewish believers, those Jewish Christians, to remember that God has promised from early on all the way back in Genesis, he is saying, I won't, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm always going to be with you. No matter what comes, no matter what you have to endure, I will never leave you. And remember that, that this is the same God that we serve. That Jesus 
is the personification of God the Father. And he is the same person who promises us in Genesis and Deuteronomy and in the Great Commission. He's promising us today that he will never leave us. And even though we may feel abandoned, even though we may feel like there isn't a whole lot of hope in, in the future, even though we're really frustrated with what's going on, we need to remember that the same God who promised Jacob, who promised Joshua, that Jesus, who promised the disciples, is the same God who promises us 2,000 years after Jesus uttered those words, that he will never leave us in a band. This is a promise from 5,000 years ago that he is giving us today. That because of our faith, we are his children. And because of our faith, we are brothers and sisters. And that we should try to be there for each other and never leave each other the same way that God never leaves us. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. We're going to worship And I want you to think back about where you started. Where you started with your faith, specifically. And for me, it was in Little Rock, Arkansas, 1999. Man, what a good year 1999 was. Better days, am I right? 1999. And I was struggling with some certain decisions that I made at school. And it became apparent to me how real sin was. I thought I was a good boy. Then I realized, oh, I'm capable of doing some really bad things. And I hurt some people that were some classmates of mine. And I disappointed some teachers that that I didn't want to disappoint. And so that next Sunday, and I got in some big trouble at school. The VP, this scary lady, she, she really scared me with how much trouble I could have been in. And that next Sunday, whenever the pastor started preaching about sin and he started preaching about how far we fall short of God's standard for us, I realized in that moment, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I was standing next, some of you have heard this story, I was standing next to my now deceased grandmother. And whenever the invitation came, I just believed that, that Jesus, even though I had messed up big time, that Jesus was bigger than anything that I could ever do. And the only way that I could grab a hold of that salvation was just to believe that he died for my sins and was resurrected to give me that victory over sin and death. And all it took for, for my sins to be washed away, for where I have messed up, for where I have hurt people, for those things, for God to forgive me of those things, was to believe in what Jesus had done for me. It wasn't to be better. It wasn't to to make sure that I do these different things. It wasn't to make sure I took communion every time. It wasn't any of that. It was just believe in what Jesus had done for me. And when I told my grandmother in that moment when I first believed in Jesus, I leaned over and told her, I think I've just been saved. I immediately burst into tears. And my grandmother, who was about that tall, took me by my arm and walked me down the aisle and at the church that I was going to at the time, like we, there were adults just, just weeping every single Sunday. There were marriages being restored. And I remember sitting on that front pew besides, beside grown people that just experienced the same thing that I experienced and thought, this is real. I'm, I'm not sure what else is real, but I know that this experience of salvation, the Holy Spirit coming into my life because of my faith and what Jesus has done for me, that's real. And every once in a while, I forget that 
feeling. And I have to take a step back and look at the crazy world around me and remember, in that moment in 1999, nothing could touch me. Didn't matter what was going on, I was right with God and I was worshiping Him moments after a salvation experience with people that loved me, that cared for me, that considered me now because of my common faith, a brother and sister. Do you remember where you started in your faith? Do you remember the excitement that you had because of the Holy Spirit now being a part of your life? Do you you remember the enthusiasm that you had? Do you remember that you could run through a brick wall to tell somebody about Jesus? Do you remember that? Remember that moment. Remember that season in your life. And remember that you could have endured anything because you knew that you had Jesus and it was better than anything else the world could offer. Any other ritual you could believe in, any sort, of, any sort of philosophy you could adapt, you knew that your faith in Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit, and that's all that mattered, and you could get through anything in this life. It's tough right now, but you can remember what that felt like, and the same God who saved you then is the same God who lives within you now. Don't forget that. Remember. Thank you for listening. We encourage you to take some next steps this week. One, write down how you first believed in Jesus. Reflect on where you started and how much God has done since you first believed in him. Two, text or call someone who helped you early on in your faith journey. Whether a family member, friend, or youth pastor, thank them for their investment in you. Three, read the book of Hebrews. It's only 13 chapters. Read that this week. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway-related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com slash connect.